Hey, wife. Hey. Thanks for not divorcing and not wanting to. <laughs> My joy. Hey. Okay. So we're. That's a. That's a good. That's a good answer. That's even better than it was last time, when it was like you probably shouldn't, but well, maybe. Um, I prefer the. I prefer the hard no. All right. Where are we going this week? Uh, First Corinthians. First Corinthians. Chapter seven. Chapter seven, because we're picking up on our. What were we even talking about? It's been like two minutes. Divorce. Divorce is bad. Divorce is bad, right? Well, we left it off on what situations can you divorce, if any. Mm -hmm. and, and I think First Corinthians kind of shed some light on maybe when some of those situations could be or how to navigate those situations. Mm -hmm. uh, so how do you mean? Well. So, so first, where do we leave, leave off? Left off in Matthew mm -hmm. 19. General sentiment, yes, divorce or no divorce? No divorce. No divorce. That's bad. There is one possible exception, which is... Immorality. Whatever that is. If they have, in fact, like, if they've committed immorality, however you want to define that before God on Judgment Day, if you have tried everything that you possibly can, however you want to define that on Judgment Day before God, and if you have decided to stop forgiving them uh, and, and receiving them back... If you want to confess to God that you did not, in fact, forgive your spouse, sure, you can divorce in that one specific situation, um, but God never did, and so maybe you shouldn't either. Mm -hmm. Right. So where does 1 Corinthians fall within that, and, and like trying to help us understand that? Yeah, so 1 Corinthians 7 kind of addresses some of the situations that believers were confused about, because... Mm -hmm. Paul had gone to Corinth and preached there and converted some people, and some of those people were married, and their spouses were not Christian. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of question of, are those children allowed in the church since one of their parents is not a Christian? What, do, what does a believing spouse do when they have an unbelieving spouse? Um, are the children allowed in the church? Yeah, he addresses that. Really? Yes. I don't remember That's that. That's verse 14. Verse 14? Yes. Oh. Um, I have never heard that applied in that way. Oh, sorry. I guess that's how I always read it, but I guess you could read it a different way. I don't really know. That's what, that's one of the verses I have a question on still, and I don't exactly know what it means or how it looks. Well, I'm assuming that he's not saying that because your spouse is a Christian, God will just give you a a pass on judgment day it doesn't seem like it. that doesn't fit with anything else so i just kind of i guess i assumed without realizing that that it was just about whether or not those people could like i guess come to church meetings hmm. since they weren't a christian but their spouse was or like if they could be part of the christian community even if they weren't a believer i've always heard it referred to as and and we'll we'll read through the passage and get to the context in a minute i've always heard it referred to as um that idea that the wife should stay around because by her godly behavior she may win her husband i believe that's down later in the chapter maybe mm -hmm. um i don't remember so we'll look at it uh verse 16 how do you know whether you will save your husband? How do you know whether you will save your wife? Um, I think the idea is she'll stick around and try to be a good influence and maybe that way kind of win them over. That's how I've always heard it interpreted, but we'll I mean, read through. well, we should probably go with the majority on that one. Cool. Um, well, majority can be wrong. 
That like the majority fair. is wrong about how divorce goes because you're not supposed to do it. Um, even though there's a technical exception, you're not supposed to do it. That's pretty clear from the context and from the passage and from everything else in the Bible. Like God saying, I hate divorce. And then we're like, oh, no, he's probably chill with it in this one circumstance because one time he technically allowed it to happen, even though he told us not to. Okay, I'm not, I'm not triggered at all. He's a little triggered. I'm not. This not at all. This is a little triggered, Reagan. <laughs> this is not. No, no, no. <laughs> you haven't seen me get triggered yet. <laughs> That's why I say. Um, it's a little trigger. We're only like at trigger level one. Hey, I'm I'm right on this one. You are I'm, right. I'm just reading the words You are, are also there. triggered. I am triggered. Love I that. think a lot of people Well, where would you like this. to start? First Corinthians 7. I would love to start in First Corinthians 7. What, what verse? Probably verse 1. Really? Um, verse two. <laughs> so yeah, let's go ahead. Um, actually, let's start in verse six, verse twelve. Actually, Ch uh, verse six, verse twelve. Chapter six, verse twelve. Actually, oh, chapter six, verse twelve. Because okay. it'll it'll run right into this section. Because again, you know, context is is pretty important. Like how Matthew eighteen informs Matthew nineteen. Context is everything. How it just like lays it all out there. I'm going to get off of this. Okay, so Matthew, not Matthew, 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 12. Uh, do you want to read the just 12 through the end of the chapter? Sure. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach, and the stomach for food. But God will do away with both, or God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise up through his power, or sorry, raise us up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Why did we start here? Why not just jump into chapter 7? This seems to talk a lot about what committing adultery does to God and to you spiritually. Mm -hmm. And if we're talking about divorce that can be done because of sexual immorality, which is typically considered as adultery, um, I don't... I don't I, I know of very few people who interpret sexual immorality or just immorality in Matthew 19 as anything but, like, full-on adultery. Um, that's generally the expectation. This talks about that, and so it's probably important to uh, kind of start mm -hmm. here. Where does he start? Verse 12. All right, this is, okay, this is, I'm just going to, I don't, don't answer this. All things are lawful. Not all things are profitable. And so even going into the section... When he's going to he's going to end up talking about divorce and stuff, uh, all things are lawful. You are allowed to do 
a lot of things, but not all things are profitable. And again, there are some modifiers on that. He'll make different statements in different places and statements that will kind of alter and, and rein that in a little bit. All things are lawful within God. All things are lawful as long as you're righteous, if you're acting in faith. Um, everything created by God is good and to be used with joy. And uh, I think that's First Timothy 4, I believe. Like all things are good to those who are good. Uh, it's it's an idea like that. It's First Timothy four four. Everything created by God is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and by prayer. And so, if the Bible agrees with it, and if you pray about it, and if you can sincerely be joyful, sure you can do that, right? Those things are lawful, uh, but that's naturally going to exclude some things. And so, all things are lawful. That does have some limits. But for the most part, you're allowed to do stuff, but maybe watch the things you do because not everything is going to be helpful. He applies that here to food. He applies that here to God and immorality. Maybe even though you are technically allowed to divorce for this one reason, maybe it's not profitable to do so, and you should think to hold yourself back. I think that's important context to put on it. You can disagree with that if you want to. That's fine. Um, I I, I am not only basing my case from that one verse. Okay, I've talked enough about that. So, all things are lawful, not all things are profitable. Where does he go with this whole immorality thing? Um, that when you're a Christian, you are one with God. Mm -hmm. And I guess, I don't know, I, I kind of imagine a really bad example, but um, like Mr. Potato Head... <laughs> okay. Okay, because like you, you put members on Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> yes. Like arms and feet and whatever. Members? Yes. Okay. Like my arm is the member of. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, I'm with you. You know, you know. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. to become a Christian and to enter God's body is to become a member of his body. Mm -hmm. And. So to like go and commit adultery and become one with something else, something that's outside of God is to just like take Mr. Potato Head's arm off and attach it to something else. Mrs. Potato. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you get where I'm going. Like, I do. I yes. It's unnatural. Mm -hmm. It's unproductive. Mr. Potato Head is pretty unnatural, honestly. Those things are freaky. You, you get my point. You can also put his shoes wherever you want to in his face, which I think is funny. It's it's mm -hmm. the it's the mental image that mm -hmm. comes to my mind when he says like do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ I it's Mr. Potato Head you're all part of Mr. Potato Head okay um, so there's a proper place for people to go yes yes which is in Christ or in God and within that right mm -hmm. you can have relationships as long as they're sanctified uh, if you receive it with joy sanctified by means of the Word of God and by prayer. And so what kind of relationship does God sanctify? Marriage. Marriage is cool. Marriage is one man, one woman for life. Mm -hmm. As long as they both shall live. If one of them dies, obviously uh, you're freed up at that point. That's, the, that's a clarification that's put on it. So I have that idea. So God approves of man, one man and one woman forever. Mm -hmm. Paul applies Genesis 2. This idea that the two shall become one flesh, and he applies it 
to this idea in verse 16, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 16, that if you join yourself to a prostitute, which is done in a physical way, then you become one flesh, which is that same kind of marriage analogy, which is back to this idea in the old law, there's kind of a ruling and a suggestion, and I can talk about it in a later uh, episode or, or area, that when you uh, join together physically, that's kind of a sealing of the marriage contract, and that brings two people together. Mm-hmm. There are laws that if, uh, if uh, a man takes a woman and lays with her, then he has to pay her bride price and marry her, essentially, because those two are, have been physically bound together, Uh, like you would do with a prostitute, like you would do with a wife. You've been physically bound together, therefore you are married. And so there's that expectation. If you join to a prostitute, it's like you're marrying that person, uh, but then that's uh, an immoral thing and away from God Mm -hmm. because it's not done in that committed kind of way. But he almost turns around and says, but you can't do that because you're already one with God, Mm -hmm. which... I mean, he's also the one in Ephesians that has the contrast or comparison of man and woman, Christ and church, mm-hmm. and how it's almost like when you sin, you're committing adultery with God. Yeah, that's true. There's a spiritual side to things. There's a physical side, but there's also that kind of spiritual application. So don't sin don't don't go commit immorality don't go outside of marriage don't go to a prostitute that's going to be bad uh for you verse 18 and a moral man sins against his own body and even that's an idea i think picked up from romans 1 or he furthers it in romans 1 because uh when you commit immoral acts it turns out badly physically usually as well as uh, spiritually and we can see that in our world today so your body is holy. You're supposed to use it for good stuff. You've been bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. How you deal with your love life. <laughs> yeah. It's the best way I could think to say that. I mean, that's Marriage? what chapter... Well, that's what chapter 7 is about. It's okay. about, I guess, the Christian love life. Paul's suggestions... God's laws. Bachelor dating advice. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, at least he's nice and clarifies, like, hey, this is just me speaking as a friend. Like, this is what I would do. This is, like, what you're allowed to do. Mm -hmm. This is the commandment. This one's not a commandment, but it's a hefty suggestion. Um, Yeah, there's... Obviously, he didn't take Paul's suggestion. Who didn't take Paul's suggestion? Neither of us. Well, that's a you problem. Got him. Well, Paul was warning against the uh, the current persecution, which we're not in in the same way that they were, but uh, whew, uh, that's an interesting topic we should talk about at some other point. Um, but yes, um, well, Paul Paul even says that you should, you should uh, go and get a wife if you need to. So what can I say? I like you. Uh-huh. A little bit. A little bit more. Okay, so um, 1 Corinthians 7. Mm-hmm. Now, concerning the things, I can't even see my book. Concerning the things about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Um, there you go. There you have it. 
No marriage, actually. I don't think that's a literal, like, you can't shake hands, is it? I don't know. It's, it just says don't touch women. Speechless. <laughs> Got her. So, but because of immoralities, right? So it's good for a man not to touch a woman, but because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife and each woman is to have her own husband. Um, or, or in the Greek, wife and, and woman are the same word. So each man is to have his own woman. Each woman is to have her own man. Um, the man must fulfill his duty to his woman and likewise also the woman to her man in verse 3. So here's this idea, right? It is good. There are problems in this world. Uh, they're writing something. We don't know what it is, right? So firstly, we have to acknowledge that they have written him a question. They have uh, a problem. They have some situations going on. They've written to ask Paul about it, and we just don't have it. And so as much as we can, we can backdate a question and we can like try to figure out what he's talking about or what their question was but odds are we don't have the exact situation we don't have all the specifics that being said it's good not to touch women but because there is immorality in this world because there is uh, temptation and sin and problems it is also good uh, a man is to have his own woman and a woman is to have her own man. Husband, wife, I think that is a good equivocation here. Um, that God made marriage precisely, well, for one of these reasons. He gave people desires that they would fulfill. He made men in one way and women in another way, in a complementary way, where they're supposed to like come together and complete each other to go and match those halves so that you can become one whole. Um, the two parts form a greater whole than you can by yourself and so sure go together fix each other uh cooperate stop smiling i see you smirking get your mind out of the gutter so husband must fulfill his duty to his wife <laughs> i'm being Sorry. so mature here i didn't think we were gonna go through this passage you didn't think so you literally brought it up you i wrote thought notes we were gonna it. start in verse like you can't skip Eight. halfway through the context. Goodness. Okay, so Keep so the I'm just I'm Marriage just gonna keep good. going through. It is good. God and it's is pretty good. Cool. Mm -hmm. And things happen in all sorts of ways. That's a terrible way to say that. So the husband must fulfill his duty to his wife, and that's done in different ways. That's going to be addressed later on, as like uh, in verse four and five, the woman doesn't have authority over her own body. The husband does. Stop laughing. Likewise, the <laughs> The husband doesn't have authority over his own body, but his wife does, so stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But this I say by way of concession, not of command. I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this matter and another in that. Husband and wife work together in all sorts of different ways. Some of them are physical. Some of them are spiritual. Some of them are just temperamental, like you helped to censor some of my language with the whole loose woman bit in the last episode. I'll mm -hmm. put your mic back. You've oh, quit laughing sorry. to some extent. The fit came over me. <laughs> the laughing fit. Yes. And so men and women are supposed to complement each other, and it's a good thing that they can work together. It's a good thing that there's balance. It's a good thing that there's... Uh, censoring. We're both made in God's image. 
and therefore I don't have an exclusive claim on God's image, and you don't either. But together we can form a greater whole, like God does, how he's three beings in one, and however that works. Us two working together can more perfectly simulate God. So, sure, get married. Sure, work with each other. Don't deprive one another. There's, there's that physical component there. But this I say by way of concession, because it would just be better if you didn't have to get married in the first place. <laughs> and that's kind of the argument he goes with. Um, you want to read verses 8 through 11? Sure. But I say to the unmarried and to widows that it is good for them to remain even as I. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. But to the married I give instruction, not I, but the Lord, that the wife should not leave her husband, but if she does leave, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and that the husband should not divorce his wife. So here are the commands, right? I say to the unmarried and the widows, it is good for them to remain even as I. So here's the statement. It is good to be unmarried. Mm -hmm. This is coming from Paul, who is unmarried, right? Um, some people think that he was married at some point and his wife died. Um, I see no reason to believe that. Maybe so. Some people argue from history, uh, but we just don't have any record of that, so I have no idea. Maybe he's a widower. Maybe he is uh, a bachelor for life. Not sure. Don't really care. Um, either way, he's advising the widows and the unmarried, right? Remain even as I am, which is to say single. Um, but here's the concession. If you don't have self-control, then instead of wasting your time with these passions and these distractions that are overtaking you and dragging you somewhere else, dragging you to the prostitutes back in the end of chapter 6, get married. Don't deal with that. And just move on. Right? Don't make that a stumbling block for yourself. And so, sure, get married, and that's alright. Thoughts, comments, questions? Um, I mean, just reading this passage, it, it gives kind of a a low picture of marriage, I feel like. I, I expand on that. Um, Tell me more. Because he's like, well, if you have to get married, like if you're not pure enough to remain unmarried, <laughs> you can get married, I guess. Yeah. But like, God made marriage good, though. He did. Does that negate the factuality of Paul's statement? I can say this because I've said this many times before. No. Mm -hmm. oh, I don't think so. No. It doesn't. It doesn't. And he'll swap back and forth, right? This is not I, but the Lord. Uh, this is not the Lord, but I am saying these things. And so there's some element of both. There's some element of, of kind of God's divine direction through the scriptures and maybe through direct inspiration as well, however that works. And then there's also Paul, who's speaking through the Spirit, who has some divine inspiration as well, who's able to provide this because it is a nuanced issue. Mm -hmm. It's not that marriage is good or bad. It's good for some people. It's not good for others. No, that's fair. Um, and so if you're going to have maritally related or maritally adjacent problems, go ahead and get married. Instead of being tempted in that way, just get it out of the way. Get married, find a good wife, settle down, and it'll all be good. But if you don't have to, why do it? That is true. It is a lot of work to do for not wanting to do it. Yeah. So if your family is trying to force you to get married, 
um, don't do it. You don't need to, right? Paul even advises against it, like, stay single, right? But if you want to get married, if that's a goal in your life, if that's a need that you have, if that's something that you see in yourself, which most people see, um, then go ahead and get married, and that's good too. God made marriage. It is good. Sometimes it's more convenient to not be married. I can say that as a married person. I Yeah, it's true. But on the whole, I do not regret it at all. And so, that was sweet. Mm-hmm. Hooray. So, yes, I am, I am nice to my wife. Fear not. Even though I say these things, at the end of the day, I still got married for a reason because she's pretty great. So, and you're pretty great, too. You're simping on microphone. Cannot believe. I should take your microphone away again. So, to the married, I give instructions in verse 10. Not I, but the Lord. This is the command. Wife should not leave her husband. Right? That, that's the command is, is do not leave. If she does leave, right, which she shouldn't, if she does leave, she cannot remarry. She should be reconciled or she should remain unmarried, but you cannot remarry. And the husband should not divorce his wife. I assume that same uh, thing, uh, I assume that same idea is carried forward. Should not leave his wife or should not divorce his wife, but if he does remain unmarried or else be reconciled, either way, the command is don't leave. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The command is uh, don't break apart what God's put together, right? Yes. And he's talking to Christians here, right? Yeah. I mean, they're the only ones who are in the church of Corinth. That is fair. If you can I call just, them Christian. Just to clarify. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. This is to Christians. This is not to um, heathens. Although these, are, although these are struggling Christians, they are still consistently called Christians and consistently called the church, which is an amazing thing that we should, I should talk about sometime because it's wild that you can have horribly bad people and them still be considered a church. We'll put it on the list. We'll put it on the list, maybe, if we remember. Um, and so for the audio listeners, nothing nothing just happened. Don't worry about Sorry, it. Sorry, my Bible slipped. It almost fell, but she caught it because her reaction it. speed is incredible. Um, and so he's writing to Christians not to heathens. That's important, and we will pick that up in probably the next episode because this is definitely a three-parter. Just laying groundwork. Laying groundwork. So don't get divorced. That's Mm -hmm. the rule. Right? Okay, so to the rest I say in verse 12, not the Lord. I I say this, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he must not divorce her. That's a rule. You cannot divorce your wife if she agrees to live with you. A woman who has an unbelieving husband, in verse 13, he consents to live with her. She must not send her husband away. Cannot divorce. That's the rule. You cannot. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. And other, For otherwise your children are unclean, but now they are holy. Basically, there needs to be a good influence on the household. Um, I, You brought this up earlier, and I'm... I'm we're we're at the 27 minute mark, so I'm trying to wrap this up in like the next three minutes. Uh, probably not going to happen, but I'm just kind of going to guide this process. Um, woman, uh, people, there needs to be someone faithful in the household to hopefully redeem that, to hopefully influence them for good. Mm-hmm. Maybe it has to do with entry into the church. I've never thought about that before. I just read it weird. I think. Yeah, well, I'll think about it later and see. I'm sure that. 
other people have argued that point. I'm just, I just haven't heard them yet. Here's the exception, right? You're not supposed to divorce. As a Christian, you cannot get rid of your family. But, verse 15. Oh, verse you want 15. me to read it? You, you read verse 15. Yet if the unbelieving one leaves, let him leave. The brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. What do you think that means? Um, I think it at least means you don't have to like continually pine after your spouse when they have explicitly told you, I do not want you in my life. Mm. I don't know if that maybe means that that marriage is dissolved, that they have walked out, they have cut all ties. I'm assuming this isn't like, oh, we had a fight and he slept at his parents house for the night kind of thing like i assume this is a bit more final and consistent on the part of the unbelieving spouse yeah well this is talking about divorce and sending sending your husband away right if you're a believer and you have an unbelieving husband you can't just like send him away you can't divorce Mm -hmm. him essentially and so I, i think it's in that context if if yeah, you as a Christian cannot initiate the divorce, mm-hmm. if someone, if your spouse is a heathen and they decide to divorce you, okay, um, I, I think you don't have to fight for that, right? You're not under bondage. God has called us to peace. I don't know if it frees you up for remarriage or not. I don't know. Um, but at the very least, it is... It is, that is okay. It's not optimal, obviously, to have a divorce happen. But if someone divorces you, then there's nothing you can do about that. Um, so different people interpret this passage different ways. Not under bondage is a phrase that comes under fire that's like maybe under bondage means you have to, or not under bondage means you don't have to pursue that person again or some people say maybe not under bondage means you're free to go out and marry whomever you want to Mm -hmm. those are different things i don't have a definitive statement on it neither do i i think at the very least it means you are not um, under obligation to pursue a relationship with that person Mm -hmm. whether or not you can start a new relationship i don't know that's yeah. It's just ground I'm unfamiliar with. Yeah, that's fair. For how do you know, a wife, whether you will save your husband? How do you know, a husband, whether you will save your wife? Uh, verse 16, the optimal result of these circumstances is not divorce. The optimal result is working together. The optimal result is growing together. The optimal result is that faithful one winning over the unfaithful one. Um, but if the unfaithful one walks away, that's all right, and we have to deal with that. So, cool. Is there other stuff from First Corinthians 7 that's relevant here? Not that I... Did know. you not want to talk about 17 through 24? Is that going to be a next episode kind of thing? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, He does kind of bring up this idea after this conversation of you should just... I, like, assuming you're not in sin just stay as you are Mm because he goes on to verse 17 
Only as the Lord has assigned to each one as God has called each, in this manner let him walk. And, and so I direct, in all the churches, was any man called when he was already circumcised, he is not to become uncircumcised. Has anyone been called in uncircumcision, he is not to be circumcised. Um, and he just goes on to talk about, like, were you called a slave? Like, if you can get free, that's good, but it's not bad to be a Christian slave. It's not bad to be a Christian free man. And just this idea of serving God in your life circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe optimal, maybe not. Slave or free. I don't know. Married or unmarried. I don't know. And maybe maybe you're uh, a married woman who has who converts to Christianity, has an unbelieving husband, the husband walks away, and now you're destitute and don't have anything. But you serve God in your circumstance as best you can. And maybe uh, that may well look like you can get remarried. Um, it, it may not look like that at all. And again, I don't have a definitive statement. I, I personally think you're free to remarry. Um, because I don't want to draw a line that God hasn't drawn, but I also don't want to loose something that God hasn't loosed, and so I kind of keep the options open and say, I don't know. Um, I don't know which one's the exact right answer there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, come as you are, right? God calls us to go to him as best we can in the circumstances, and slaves do not have ideal circumstances. But you're not to just pursue freedom from slavery because life isn't about freedom from slavery. He does actually say that. Yes, if you can, right? If you can be free, sure. But the point of your life is not to be free or a slave. The point of your life is not to be married or unmarried. The point of your life is to get to God and to Mm -hmm. be holy. And you can do that whether you're a slave or free, married or unmarried, whatever the situation is, you can do your best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, don't divorce. If you are divorced, you have to work with that. It may not be optimal, um, but you can do the best you can in the situation. But you are not to seek it. And again, I, I kind of think that's what Matthew 19 points to as well. Um, you mm-hmm. can technically divorce, but the command is not. The command, just like earlier uh, in this chapter, um, the woman should not leave her husband. The husband should not divorce his wife. But if she does, right, remain unmarried or be reconciled. Um, You shouldn't divorce. If you do, remain unmarried or be reconciled. But you shouldn't, and that's the general rule. Mm -hmm. Um, I do not, yeah. yeah, that's where we'll leave that for now. Mm-hmm. Other thoughts on this section? No, I think next episode we'll get into some of the specific questions people might have. One primary scenario people bring up to debunk the idea of no divorce, and we're going to talk about that, and some kind of furtherances and applications of that, um, and maybe some some healthier ways to think through that process. Sound about right? Mm-hmm. Cool. That's where we'll call it for this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.